Welcome to The Barbell Strikes Back. I'm normally your host, James McDermott, but you see, today's episode is going to be a little bit different, a little bit special, and that's because I have a guest interviewer on the show, and I will be in the hot seat getting interviewed. Our guest interviewer today is going to be my better half, Joanna Toman. So, Joanna, welcome, and here is the show. Do with it what you will. Thank you. Hello, good friends. I'm excited. I'm so excited. How are you feeling, James? Uh, I'm excited, too. Uh, I'm also slightly terrified. I don't know what is ahead of me 100%. I know you've been working very hard all day on these questions. So uh, I think it's going to be a fun time, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what you've put together here in your first time as an interviewer. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too. This is my first time, at least on a podcast especially. Now, when exactly did you decide to make this interviewing a gift for me? Well, it's uh, it's your birthday. Mm-hmm. When, uh, when the listeners are listening to it, this is February 8th, which is your birthday, and we are recording this on Sunday, February 7th. And I decide, you know what, uh, I like to give experiences for gifts. And also, for anyone listening, this isn't the only gift. This is something that you've wanted to do for quite some time. You've wanted to come on the show as a guest, which you will eventually. I do have that planned. Uh, But I figured what fun could we have on your birthday? Let you interview me, put me in the hot seat, and you get to be the star interviewer of this whole show here. And also, we should talk about, we also did an escape room today. Mm -hmm. So that was another experience as part of your birthday present and birthday day uh, and we we won yeah we, did we it. finally made it through the escape room yep an escape room is a good test for a couple on their communication skills and uh, teamwork abilities the very first time we ever did an escape room we failed uh, quite miserably <laughs> yes. we spent about half an hour looking at the periodic table yep, yep. there was a, a chemistry themed question like that was a really hard question like right off the bat they're like here's the periodic table and you need to decipher this and then that was used nowhere in the thing yeah it wasn't even time. it wasn't even a clue we just got totally hung up on it and the dude had to keep coming back and giving us clues and we still didn't get anywhere with it but today we did we saved the world in fact you know it was a superhero themed escape room. Oh yeah, we saved the planet Earth. Yep, there was a golden skateboard that was left on planet Earth by a superhero and we had to find it before it destroyed the planet mm-hmm. because this superhero apparently went on vacation so we had to figure this out and and give him a call. Yeah. But we did it. I, I can't believe we did it. So, in terms of the ocean, James, how deep are you ready to dwell? Delve, not dwell. Delve. <laughs> uh, we're going to go all the way down to the, the deepest, darkest trenches of the ocean. Are you really ready to go there? <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> all right. So, James McDermott, let's start with some lighthearted questions. Uh, what is your favorite way to drive me crazy? Well, I don't think I have a, a favorite way. You know, I think having a favorite way implies that I'm trying to drive you crazy on purpose. And I definitely don't do that. I, I don't think what I do that. What about when you have your sinister laugh? Well, I'm, I mean, 
I, I, if I do drive you crazy, I should enjoy it, right? So, I mean, <laughs> if it happens to happen, you know, then all right, I'm going to enjoy the moment. But I don't do things on purpose. And I guess one example would be, you know, you don't always agree with the way that I do laundry or that I put away clean clothes. Like, I don't roll the socks up into little balls or put them all together. I just throw all the socks in the sock drawer because all of my socks are exactly the same. They don't need to be organized. You're the one that has a variety of socks, and I just uh, I just put them in a the drawer. And I know that drives you crazy, but uh, at least you have to admit I washed the clothes. To begin yes, with. I I appreciate that. So I really can't complain too much. So what what drives you crazy most about something I do? What's something I do that drives you the most crazy? Hmm. I would say the thing that drives me pretty crazy would be when we're driving somewhere and we arrive at the destination and you take a very long time to get out of the car. See, like like when I get to where I need to go, bam, I, like the door opens, I have everything I need, and I'm already walking towards the building or whatever it is as I'm locking the car with my keys. But I can't do that when I'm with you because I will get out, I'll close the door, I'll start walking, and you're still in the car somehow. And I don't know why it takes you so long to get out of the car, but it, it apparently does. And I would say that would be possibly the number one thing that drives me crazy is, like, I want to go. Like, like I would be in the building already by the time it takes you to get out of the car. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have to double-check things because I have a long history of locking keys in the car, leaving lights on forgetting things so i like i have to take my time because well, i i'm i have like ptsd yeah but like what about when i'm driving though well i don't know <laughs> like when i'm driving i have the keys so i don't understand why you're not out of the car yet and why i'm not able to lock it and keep going on my merry way i don't know so i'm gonna keep with this vein just a little bit more hang on there with us i'm gonna get to the barbell stuff soon but what's your favorite memory of us together hmm. would you say let's see there's there's many many favorite memories there's uh being uh stranded in an airport in new orleans because oh we were fighting and we missed our <laughs> flight that's a great one um, there's the road trips we've been on there's been the the trip to new york city we took with friends the uh, trip to Philadelphia with friends, you know, although there were other people there, you were, it was still me and you going on these vacations. So I think that was, uh, those are fond memories. I think the cruise we took together was a good time, even though only one of us enjoyed the cruise. <laughs> you know, like it was still nice to have company while I was on a cruise. Um, and I would say maybe most, me most recent memory would be when we went paddle boarding in Lake Placid. So you like the times that we bicker? <laughs> Are those your most enjoyable memories? Because well, I think we bickered it, a bunch it, of those. It, it seems to be. <laughs> it seems to be uh, what we do when we go on vacation. I mean, doesn't everyone else go on vacation to fight with your significant other? Um, so it just seems to happen. And I mean, to tell the story, real quick, we went up to Lake Placid in the fall, this last fall, and we were paddle boarding. Never been paddle boarding before, so that was quite an experience. And you know, you're sitting side by side, and you both have to pedal your legs to propel the the boat forward. And what I guess 
I didn't anticipate was the difference in leg strength levels between the two oh, of us. I didn't anticipate that. No, well, I, I, I should have known, but I didn't think it would affect the boat. So, like, I start pedaling, putting my power into the pedal, and Joanna starts pedaling. <laughs> and next thing we know, the boat is instantly flipped around, and we're going backwards. And there's a whole, you know, balcony of people eating dinner on the restaurant that's right next to the paddleboard place. And they're watching us fight and argue about turning the boat around. I'm telling her she needs to pedal harder and I'm trying to let up on the pedal. And both of us, our legs are way too short to even reach the paddles in a good way to begin with. So we're both slumped forward. And it seems like every time we do get some momentum on the paddle boat, it's drifting towards another person on the water. So imagine you have a giant lake and there's one other person on the lake. No matter what we're doing, no matter what direction we're trying to go, we are in a collision course with that person. And it's not on purpose. It's just that just happens to be where our boat wants to go. So whenever people are around us, I'm telling Joanna, you know, like we have to stop. We cannot paddle when other people are around because we will go to them and when we will not be able to steer away from them because steering was difficult. And we had many, many instances of where the boat was literally just going in circles we were people must have been watching from the shoreline going what is happening well, with I that had boat? no sense of direction that whole you kept wanting me to steer and i had no sense of like what direction we were going well, i thought we were going forward and, and i think we were going backwards like the whole time yeah i thought we were moving forwards well i mean to be fair like i felt like i was doing a lot of work on, on paddling so like i needed you to steer and then it just ended up being, it took us forever to get back to the dock because it, it never, it even seemed when we were paddling, like all the work we were doing was being negated by the fact that it wasn't even paddling. So we would never get anywhere. We were just stuck, perpetually stuck. Yeah, but we made it. Yeah. We eventually made it back to the dock. Yeah. We, it was a little touch and go. I wasn't sure if we were going to ever make it. But I, I think that's, that's just the story of you us. Ha- you ended <laughs> up having to steer. Yeah. Really. Well, I'm. Hey, I think that's a great analogy for our relationship on, yeah. on on how this whole thing is going. So. So, what do you love most about our relationship? I would say stuff like that. I think that we can that we can have such climactic moments and still be still uh, still tolerate each other in the end. <laughs> yeah. What do you wish to work on? What do you mean? In our relationship, what should we work on? I, well, we I make it better. I don't know. I think we need to, we need to have better paddleboarding skills. <laughs> we need to have um, uh, better time management when we're going on trips, you know, so we don't miss flights or anything like that. You know, I, I, don't, I guess that's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't don't forget the train station. You were really mad at me that time. Oh yeah, yeah. We we missed. Miss, so yeah, see, we Ooh. miss trains. We miss, you know. It's yeah. We don't have to go into the train station story. That can be for a whole other day. That was there's that wasn't the happiest of stories. All right. So I know a lot about you. I don't know what all you've shared with your listeners and your athletes. So, just in general, who do you admire most, and how has that person impacted the way you live your life? Hmm. Good question. I would say. One person, you know, I, I wouldn't say this, this is the most, you know, but like just thinking off the top of my head, but one person who has impacted 
my life and that I admire uh, would be my brother Eric. Uh, you know, he's a very hard worker. He's accomplished a lot in his life. You know, he has a, a beautiful house. He has a beautiful family. Uh, he's got a great job, you know, working for the telephone company. And he's worked very, very hard his entire life. And I admire the way he works so hard, like his work ethic. Mm-hmm. He's definitely not someone who's going to half-ass anything or to get hired for a job and not do the job to his fullest extent. Yeah. And he has a, a very fine attention to detail. Uh, some of my early you know, in life memories are going into his room where I was not allowed to be. Oh. So, so sneaking into his room because you see Eric's room was the cool place. Yeah. You know, he had, he had the super Nintendo in there, you know, and he had uh, uh, all kinds of models of cars and planes. And what he would do is he would buy those models where it has like a metal exterior to like an old classic muscle car. And it just came completely blank with all the paints and all the glues and he would put them together and they looked like a professional put them together. Like he would spend weeks and months on one of those perfecting it. So I admire that fine attention to detail that he used to put into those. And he still has all that stuff. They're on a shelf in his house. And you know, when you've been in his house, you go into his garage Mm -hmm. and all the very neat and orderly new or neat organized. He's got all the tools all over the place. He's been collecting tools and things to fix cars for probably his entire life. He's had some of that stuff. And he has that ability to take apart an engine and tell you every little piece of an engine in a car and what it does and how it affects other systems in the car. And so I admire that because I would like to be able to do the same, you know, as what he does with cars, but in my field, in my craft, with exercise and anatomy and physiology and weightlifting, you know, just being able to know all the little intricate details mm-hmm. and have a fine attention to detail and to be able to explain, well, this is how that system in the body affects this other system. Mm-hmm. This is how they work together. And when you have a problem, this is where the problem's coming from. So like listening to him talk about cars is very fascinating. And I also wish I could talk about my profession the way he talks about stuff that he's into. That's cool. So <clears throat> tell me about when you first started training with the barbell. Hmm. Well, I first started training with a barbell in my friend Troy's uh, garage. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, it was, it was a barn. And I, I've mentioned Troy in the past on the podcast. I'll have to get him on here at some point. But just before that, before I started training with him, learning how to lift barbells for the first time, um, this is probably middle school. So middle school, um, starting to get active for the very first time. And I had some dumbbells left over from when Eric lived at the house and he moved and he left some of that stuff. And I had, um, uh, dog food cans that I would lift for high reps. You know, (laughs) I had no idea what I was doing, but I would just do, I would do curls with dog food cans. You know, maybe I would try to hold on to two of them in one hand at the same time and get a good pump. And I would run laps in my room and I would do sit-ups and I would do dumbbell bench press. And I think the dumbbells weighed 15 pounds each. So they were very light dumbbells, but it's mm-hmm. all I had. And I would do it at night when everyone went to bed uh, and I would have the lights off in my room. And I would have a movie playing on the TV so there was a little bit of light. But I was 
I did it at night and in the dark because I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed that, you know, I was overweight and out of shape. I didn't know what to do. And I didn't know who really, you know, to ask about these things because there, you know, we didn't have like the internet like we did back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did have the internet, but like, like we weren't allowed to use it, you know, like it was just what my parents used to do, like some business and communicate yeah. with family. But it wasn't like we were on the computer all the time. And there were no CrossFit gyms. There were no, you know, powerlifting or weightlifting gyms. So had no idea what I was doing. But I was like, well, you know, I I don't like the way I look or feel, but I don't know how to take care of it. So I, I you, you, you mimic what you see on TV. Okay, yeah. people are doing sit-ups. People are doing bench press and curls. And people run. So I would just do those things in my room. And my room was maybe, I don't know, 15 feet wide. So I would just run back and forth. I remember there was one time um, the running back and forth woke my dad up mm-hmm. and he comes busting into my room. What the hell are you doing? You know, because <laughs> it must have been like 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 one in the <laughs> yeah, morning. He's like, what? <laughs> yeah. So he comes bursting in the room, just really PO'd that it's one o'clock in the morning and whatnot. And I don't even I don't even remember what I said, but I just remember one time he walked in and he's like, what in the world are you doing right now? And he wasn't happy about it at all. So that was my first getting involved in any kind of exercise and there were no barbells didn't experience a barbell for the first time until I started working out at Troy's house Mm -hmm. in his dad's barn which his dad Victor Lupo he had a uh, a gym down in either the Bronx or Brooklyn somewhere down the city he had a a hardcore bodybuilding gym like this place was legit and Mm -hmm. he and he used to compete in bodybuilding like step on the stage and so a lot of that equipment that they had downstate, they brought up to Afton, New York. It's out in the middle of the woods where they live in a big barn. And we would just go there and we would train Rocky style. Like we would play the Rocky soundtrack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we would jump rope. We would jog his driveway, which was half a mile down, half a mile up. And that's when I started doing more extreme running. And then also bench pressing. We would do curls. We would do uh, overhead presses. We would do rows. Really, we did a lot of upper body. We really didn't do a whole lot of lower body stuff. That mm-hmm. that kind of came later when um, we started to learn more about serious training. And if we were lucky, every now and then, uh, Troy's dad would come down to the barn and teach us how to do things. Mm-hmm. Teach us like little nuances about the exercises. And that's what kind of sparked my interest in like, well, that's kind of cool how there's different variations of exercises and different techniques and you can use these techniques to get different results. Yeah. Yeah. So looking back now, what is something that you have accomplished as an adult that your younger self would be proud of? Hmm. Well, which which younger self? Well, I guess your teenage self that was just starting out, that was insecure and exercising in the dark. Okay. Well, I, I think uh, my my extreme younger self would be proud of some of the weightlifting things that I've done, you know, just uh, um, being able to squat well over 300 pounds, uh, snatches that I've done, the clean and jerks, because uh, back then, that, w- that would have been like, like alien to see, mm-hmm. like, like yeah. you didn't see any of that on TV. So could you even imagine back then that you, you would have done those things in the future? No, no, I could never have imagined diving under a barbell with a wide grip and <laughs> having it be over my head and standing up with it. That's we, I don't think I found out about 
snatches and clean and jerks until at some point during college. Because mm-hmm. even when we were working out with, you know, in Troy's barn, we didn't know anything about that. We didn't, you know, we had no idea how to do any of that, let alone had seen it before and or looked it up on the internet or anything like that. What was what was your goal going into like when you were really like working out with your friends and stuff? What was like your goal? What was driving you to keep motivated and keep going? Well, I would say, you know, in the in the early beginning when I'm in my room and I didn't have any resources, it was just to like, okay, I got to lose weight, you know, somehow because I don't like being heavy. And then working out with friends and being older, the uh the 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 motivation turns into girls. Mm-hmm. So it's like and that's that's why most, you know, young teens and boys I think start working out to begin with is cuz like you want to look good for girls. So we just did tons and tons of curls for the girls. Curls for the girls. Yeah, we did. We did an obscene amount of them. That sounds like maybe a good CrossFit team name. Curls for the girls. I'm, I'm pretty sure someone's had to have done it by now. <laughs> so what is your hardest obstacle that you've been through? And how did you get through it? Hmm. I would say the hardest recent obstacle within the last couple of years would have to be uh, hurting my knee at, at, during an accident at the gym. Uh, just long story short, the person that cleans our barbells or cleaned the barbells at the time uh, had used WD-40 to get some of the chalk off of the bar and to oil the ends of the barbell. And they didn't do a very good job about clearing all of that off. And there was a kid who was doing power cleans in the gym. He was there with his dad. And his dad came over and asked me to if, if I could show them what a power clean was supposed to look like. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll show you. All right. So I was like, all right. So this is what it's supposed to look like. Here's the technique. And then I pick up the bar. I don't notice that it's very, very oily. And I bring it down to my knees. It has 135 pounds loaded on it. And I go to hit the power clean. Next thing I know, my right hand rips off the bar. I twist on my left knee and then I fall down to the the floor and hit my hip on the floor, hit my hand on the floor, and I ended up spraining uh, some ligaments in my wrist and my thumb, and I messed up my low back and hip to the point where I had severe sciatic pain going all the way down to my foot, and then my knee just swelled up like a balloon and pretty much stayed like that for the better part of of a couple years, like two years. and then that just started a whole cascade of going to doctors and they're like, well, your knee looks pretty banged up. It looks like you've been in a car accident, but there is like, you don't have a torn ACL. You don't have a torn meniscus. This just looks like wear and tear from years of doing what you do. And we don't know why your knee is swollen. You know, I had it mm-hmm. drained a couple times, but the swelling always just came back. And then there's that nerve pain. So that was, um, that was difficult to kind of go through, which one. I do think it is kind of funny where I was like, hey, here's what a power clean looks like. And then I just wrecked, <laughs> right. my, wrecked my whole body right, right after that. Um, but the, the hardest part was not necessarily being injured, but it was not being able to do the thing that I love to do every single day, which was lifting weights. Yeah. And then having to see other people lifting weights all the time and maybe hear their stories about how they're not happy with their their strength levels or their PR or to see people PR and then, and they're not happy about it. They're like, well, that wasn't 
the most perfect lift in the world, so mm-hmm. I'm not happy about it. Meanwhile, I'm like, I would love to be able to do that right now. You know, yeah. I would I would really love to have a, a PR where I have to walk it around the room or I pressed it out a little bit right now. I would just love to be able to do this, period. So it's just hard to see people do things that I couldn't and to also hear them maybe complain about their own lifting when all I want to do is be able to lift, period. Right, yeah. And this was this was at a time where I was at, you know, my best. I was coming yeah. off of my best weightlifting meet ever, best results. Uh, my strength levels were the best they ever were. So it was difficult after the fact when I finally did, you know, get my knee fully rehabbed and the sciatic pain all went away to not be at that level anymore, you know. Yeah. And to, you know, be kind of in a state of where you're constantly comparing yourself to what was. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's like starting all over. Yeah. Yeah. Starting over again sucks. You know, no yeah. one likes to do that. Well, that happens to me when I exercise now compared to when I exercised when I was 16. It was so easy. I would just do it and it was enjoyable and fun. And now it's like hard and exasperating and I'm like embarrassed, like mortified. Wow. Well, I'm old now. So now it's like it's it feels different. So when your family caught on... Like, at what point did your family recognize what you were doing with exercise and weightlifting or working out and nutrition? Um, I think when I started to take over the kitchen, you know, uh, when I did start to get my diet in order, that's when, you know, my mom realized, like, oh, okay, so you're, you're, you're wanting to eat healthy and, and you're going for a run. Or eventually I started to build a little home gym in the basement. Because we used to work out with Troy a lot, and then Troy got a girlfriend, and then Troy tried to bring the girlfriend into guy gym time. Uh oh. Yep. The drama. <laughs> the drama. And oh, it's was like there drama. There, well, yeah, there was. Yeah, there was <laughs> drama because it's it's like it's like you just ruined what we had by bringing her in here, and she's not serious about this, and now you're not working out that hard, or we're having to bend the schedule around. So it, it just ended up getting to the point where Chris and I, my, my other friend, decided we were just going to, you know, ditch Troy and just work out on our own in my basement. And I started to buy equipment and, you know, we we kept training and he stopped working out because he had a girlfriend and whatnot. So he stopped working out and he put on a lot of weight, you know, during that time. And we actually lost touch for uh, for a little bit, you know, not fully because of that. There were other things. There were other falling outs between other people, Chris and Troy specifically. Um, but it ended up being just me and Chris now. And we just kept, we just kept it going. Yeah. How was that? Was that like a struggle or did you guys just flow right back into it? No. Well, there was a a period of time where we were kind of in limbo because we didn't have any equipment. And then eventually, you know, I just, I started going to Dick's Sporting Goods and I bought a bench, I bought a barbell and, and a plate set, you know, the old cast iron stuff. Mm-hmm. And we just started getting together and just, just doing it, you know. And then we started to learn more. We started to look up articles about how to deadlift. Mm-hmm. How, how do we squat? We started squatting more. So if anything, the training became more serious once, you know, we made it more serious. And we started to do further research. And this is long before either one of us ever decided to 
pursue a degree in kinesiology or exercise or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But that kind of led us down that road for sure. So what describe the moment you became impassioned about coaching. Um, One specific moment that pops up in my mind would be when I was uh, eventually working at the YMCA in -hmm. Binghamton. And uh, there was uh, another trainer there. Her name was Karen. Shout out to Karen Cole. And um, I was personal training her. So she wanted to hire me to personal train her and to help her, you know, get better cardio and get fit. And during one of our sessions, you know, we were just talking randomly and there was someone else in the gym who was jump roping. And I said, do we have jump ropes? Like, I didn't know. I didn't know if it was their jump rope or if we actually had some jump ropes around the gym. And she said, oh, no, they must have brought it. But we do have some in the back. And then she like casually mentioned that she had never jump roped before. And she's in her at the time she was in her 60s. I was like, what do you mean you've never jump roped before? Because I because. They used to make us jump rope all the time in PE class. Right. So I, I, was just, I was just like, I don't know how you've never done this before. We used to do this at recess. We used to do this in gym class all the time. And she's like, well, when I went to school, they just didn't have us girls do that. you know. And she mm, went to school really. during a different time. And she said the times that she did try to jump rope, she just couldn't get it. So she literally could not jump over the rope one time. Mm-hmm. And she just decided at an early age well, I guess that's just something that's not for me and moved on. And now here we are, she's in her 60s. And I was like, we, we need to work on this. We need to try this. So we got a jump rope. And after a little bit of practicing and, and missing it a bunch of times, she finally jumped over the rope. And she was all happy. She was super happy. You know, she was a little teary eyed. And she's like, I can't believe I did that. And just kind of seeing the the look on her face and how happy she was that she was able to do something for the first time ever that she had decided years ago that was not for her in her lifetime, even though it's something so simple to uh, the rest of us, like jumping a rope, yeah. you know, um, just to see that joy. I was like, well, this is this is what I want to do. Yeah. And that's that's what I get to do all the time when you help someone get their first pull up, when you help someone run a mile for the first time or get any number of barbell PRs, you know. It's it's the exact same thing, exact same feeling that I imagine they feel, and I want to help people do that. Yeah, I definitely noticed that you are good at recognizing, like, even, like, ach- every achievement. Like, even if it seems small, you recognize every step for- further, every step that's making progress and, you know, getting better. Yeah, and, and every every person's progress is important you know it's not yeah. just the the professional athletes or the high level weightlifters or powerlifters or the crossfit games athletes it's every single person that's doing something for the first time it all matters just as much and everyone is just as important so that's also something i like to do in my own coaching is that everybody in the room right now is important yeah that's one of the things that i love about you is that you don't just feed into the shine, you know, the, just the shiny people. I, I don't know how to say it, shiny people. Shiny people. <laughs> I got but, that well, from the, the Bachelor. Well, there are some, there are still bad. Is that really a, a Bachelor thing? Well, sort of from one of the seasons. Shiny people? Well, the, the girls are warning the Bachelor not to be like 
swayed by shiny objects or oh, the, okay. you know just by the prettiest well, girl to <laughs> to talk on that there are coaches out there that only want to coach the shiny people so to say you know they only want to coach the quote unquote good athletes and those are probably the worst coaches out there because like if that's all you want to do and I've met people like that before well you don't want to do any of the work to truly help someone yeah. you know you just want the work done for you you want to have the freak athlete in front of you and get that like can, accolades yeah and, and yeah and and take credit for it it's way better to take someone who can't and has never done something before and to show them and empower them that they can do that and then then eventually you turn them into that that high level athlete yeah. and it's I think that's way more rewarding from a coaching standpoint and you'll have better relationships from it too because a lot of those people, you know, like like who are just naturally gifted, you know, they they're they may not be the best coaches and they may not be the best athletes because being a good athlete goes beyond as well just the physical ability. You mm-hmm. know, like I being a good person period plays into being a good athlete to some extent, or at least I I believe that to be true. Right. So what's I guess that kind of fits in with what's your favorite athlete personality type to work with or coach? Well, I, I guess my favorite type of athlete to work with is someone who wants to do the work and wants to um, and is coachable. Someone who doesn't want to take quick routes to get to wherever they need to go that realizes that this is going to take time and they're patient and that they're willing to weather some storms yeah. and that they're willing to fail too. You know, and, and if you're a coach, you have to tell athletes, it's not going to always be success, success, success. You're going to fail here and there. There's going to be plateaus, but we'll get through this together because we're a team and I care about you and your goals. Your goals are my goals. So we'll, we will get through this, but you know, there are some people who they, they don't want to wait. They want it now, now, now. Or, you know, they have shiny object syndrome where maybe they start, but they want to do, they want to jump from program to program, mm-hmm. you know, or they want to jump from coach to coach. It's, um, it literally is a, a minefield out there on athletes yeah. and coaches on all the things that could happen. But I think that's, that's definitely my favorite person to work with is someone who wants to learn and comes in every day with a good attitude. I think that's why any coach would would truly would would want you know I I don't want to work with the athlete that is already good and has a bad attitude and they just want to they just want me to be there you know just to be there and they're going to do their thing and whatnot that's no fun for me so what about me when you're trying to coach me well some athletes are more trouble than 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 others I've told this story before on the podcast of your first weightlifting meet oh god when you know you you I finally got you signed up for a weightlifting meet this is in Elmira I don't remember which one he, it was. He treated me like I was like a competitive weightlifter. Like I like he had me in the in the in the sauna doing the rowing machine. Like I was going to cut weight in like an hour of like before I, the weigh in. Like I was going to cut down. Well, hold on. I'm pretty sure that you had to make weight because you were over a little bit. So, hey, we had to do what we had to do. They had a sauna there. Yeah, there's no way I was going to be really... I The only thing was, I was happy to be warm in a sauna and, like, in my introversion. Hey, it was go time. Like, <laughs> like, 
we're in this competition, like like <laughs> we're like, trying oh, we're right. trying to win this whole thing, you know. <laughs> well, that's that was a, a I was at a different point in my coaching back then, but I remember you you're warming up before your session was supposed to start with the snatch, and you had the barbell, and I came I came bouncing over to you. I'm all happy, you know. I'm always happy on 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 meet day, and and I I said something to you or I gave you something to work on, and you looked at me and you growled at me through your teeth and you said get away from me and then I had to run away I I know I'm bad I was just I I get too in my head a lot of times I'm I'm the insecure person still when it comes to being around other people exercising and stuff but you know different athletes need different things so I gave you your space I checked in with you from time to time and then you went out there and you did all of your lifts, and then you you watched the rest of the day, and you're not mad at me about it anymore. No. So that's that's good. So, what's your greatest fear in life right now? Right now, I think that uh, my my greatest fear would be you know seeing gyms close down again, yeah. some other type of lockdown. You know, I don't want that to happen again. It was a very traumatic event for our business and our industry, and I just um. I fear that it will happen again and put us, you know, further behind or stall the progress that we're making as we try to to rebuild, so to say. Yeah. So what's your greatest hope? Uh, My greatest hope is that things keep going in a trend where we can return as close to normal or the good old days now as what they used to be, which means not having to have people wear masks during during the CrossFit classes or even Barbell Club. That would be nice. Uh, or at least having the option where it's like, hey, if you want to wear a mask, you go ahead. We respect that. You knock yourself out. But not everyone has to anymore. You know, So if there's someone who doesn't want to, they can do that. Like, I want to be able to see smiling faces in the gym yeah. again today. You know, Really, you don't see that anymore. And I think you lose a little bit of coaching when you can't, you know, when the athletes can't see your mouth moving yeah. and you can't, you know, like relay certain emotions because you have a mask covering half your face. So I think, you know, my hope is we get to a point where that stuff changes and we can also have more people in classes. And um, and yeah, that, that would be the, the main part of it. Yeah, I'm definitely hoping for the day where we don't have to be so paranoid again. Right now, it's we're just afraid of each other to be close to each other at all. Yeah. To even and be in talking space of other people right now. Gyms have proven that, you know, they can be one, responsible, and two, aren't part of the problem if there is a problem. So I think, you know, it wouldn't be unheard of to eventually kind of get there. Where It's definitely a preventative measure to, you know, eat right and exercise and be at a healthy weight. Exactly. And manage chronic diseases well. Yeah, and that's that's what we do. I guess another hope, if I were to put another hope on it, is for what we do to not be seen as recreation. Right. So, like, like I'm not a recreational coach or trainer. I am a professional coach and trainer. I have no other job. I have a degree. I have high-level certifications and I've been doing this for over 10 years now. So I would like to see what we do to have more uh, importance 
and respect given to it. You know, that, that we are an essential service. Yeah. What we do goes beyond just working out for fun and doing curls for the girls. What we do is for mental health. What we do is for physical health, you know, and emo- and, and uh, spiritual health for some people. Like it's, there's a whole lot to it you know, that I don't think people understood when they took it away. And I really hope to see it kind of go into a, an even better direction. I yeah. hope that it, if we come out of this, which which we are, um, we come out of this better, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and more respect and importance placed upon it. So I see in you someone who perseveres and doesn't let insecurity stop you. So what to what or who do you attribute your ability to prevent insecurities and unfamiliarity from blocking your steps towards achieving your goals or whatever you want to do? Um, well, I think that, you know, there's always going to be insecurities, you know, like, like there was definitely insecurity when starting the podcast. There's insecurities on doing the podcast throughout almost the last year, you know, like, like, does anyone even really like it? Am I wasting my time? Should I do this? And, you know, there's insecurities with everything that I do. But I think, you know, it just comes and gets better from a place of I want to get better. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to worry about what other people think, where there were certainly points in my life where that was all I thought about, like, what, what does everyone think about this? Now it's like, okay, well, what do I want to do? Like, I enjoy doing the podcast, so I will do the podcast. I want to be better at doing the podcast and interviewing people and having discussions. And I want to share things that I've learned. And this is the medium I have to do that. So I think that helps me to get over those insecurities. Mm -hmm. And then it's practice, practice, practice. You know, um, I've taught seminars. I've coached thousands and thousands of hours of classes now for CrossFit and Barbell Club. And in the beginning, it wasn't easy. You know, I I was not, you know, a very extroverted person. I wouldn't really even say I'm an extroverted person right now. I'm just someone who's practiced being an extroverted person for years on end. And I've gotten better at that skill. But naturally, I'm not one of those people, I don't think. Um, But I remember back in the day when I first started working at Albany CrossFit, they threw me to the wolves. Mm-hmm. There was a, a, a class where the, at the end of class, we were doing a stretch called the couch stretch. And the coach who was leading that class, uh, Josh Clem, shout out to Josh Clem. He told me that I was going to teach the couch stretch to everybody. So I went around to each individual person and I told them that they're going to need an ab mat, a spot on the wall. We're doing two minutes per side. Be ready in like 30 seconds. Although going around <laughs> to a class of 15 people, yeah, it took me longer to explain to each person individually what to do versus just putting my hand in the air and say, hey, everybody, all eyes on me. You know, you're going to need an ab mat and a spot on the wall. We're going to do the couch stretch for two minutes per side. Three, two, one, go. Super simple. James now does that because he's had a lot of practice at doing that. But it yeah. was not nothing I was secure enough, you know, um, to do at the time so I did it the hard way at the time but for me doing it the way that I just did was the hard way it was easier to go to everyone one-on-one but doing it the right way right. Is, is what I had to get better at yeah yeah 
that story reminds me of when I had seed students and I was scared to sit. There was something I wanted to tell the girls or ask them to do or something. And I wrote it on a note <laughs> and I, because I was scared to talk to them. And you were picking on me. You were laughing at me. I want to coach with post-it notes. <laughs> Just go to everybody and write things or give uh, coaches tickets. Oh, how about that? Like, I have like oh, a little, yeah, I have that a little, would be good. little notepad I see. You didn't, uh, <laughs> yeah, you didn't, you didn't put your dumbbells away. Here's a little... <laughs> Or are you going to turn out your knees and your squat? Yeah. Be the class <laughs> cop report that point. card. So what do you think you need to do to find the balance between taking care of other people, including works, work and projects, with taking care of yourself? Uh, it's always a tough thing, finding the balance. I think, you know, um, people may not understand that this is a... Uh, it's almost a 24-7 job being a coach. You know, uh, you're on call when you're a coach. You know, I know nurses are on call sometimes, and there's other professions where you're on call. Well, if you have athletes messaging you all throughout the day and on weekends, you're on call. They need help, and you signed up to help them. It's not just you're going to work out all day, and you're going to watch people work out all day. There's a lot more that goes into it. So... I think the thing that I can do to find better balance would be, you know, let's say, for example, if I'm in a situation where I'm running out of time in the day and I might not be able to do my full workout to concede to the fact that I might have to do just some of it and maybe move the rest of it to another day or to just do something, period. Yeah. Like maybe here in my apartment, I do Tabata workout. Maybe it's just Tabata squats, four minutes of air squats, four minutes of movement. You know, I think sometimes I get into a situation or a mindset where it's not the way or the amount that I want to be. So I just decide, okay, I'm not going to do anything at all. And then I'm not taking care of me. I need to get better at like, just, all right, time is time. At least you spent some time working on yourself. Yeah, I struggle with that myself too. Burning out at work and focusing on work and spending too much extra time on other people and I don't, I'm probably just procrastinating so I can get out of, like, in my mind, get out of actually having to work out because it, it's painful. Well, I'll let the people know that your schedule has changed. You have gotten promoted at work. You're kind of the boss now. And you are in a position where you could get out on time and come to Barbell Club. So just putting mm-hmm. it out there. We might have another meet coming up. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to, at some point, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> All right, so beyond, whatever. Where do you go to dream, James McDermott? Um, I, I don't say, I don't think I dream all the time. I don't really get good sleep. You know, I'm normally waking up throughout the night uncomfortable because no, like of some envisioning reason. dreams. Oh, envisioning Not like dreams? sleep dreams, but like envisioning, like where... You're like your your peace place, your happy place where your mind just goes to like, you know. Well, I would I would thoughts. say, you know, I I I dream or I come up with creative ideas or things like that when I'm driving or when I'm in the shower. I come up with some great ideas when I'm in the shower. Sometimes I'll be doing programming in the shower or I'll be thinking about a workout or the next barbell club training cycle and i'll have music going and it's just something about the white noise of the water Mm -hmm. i think that's what really does it it's like 
all distractions are gone. The white noise of the water, it's just enclosed space, it's warm, it's peaceful. And then I just get ideas popping up Is in my head. Is that along with the blasting podcasts? Yep, sometimes I have podcasts or music blasting at <laughs> crazy volume levels. But I thought of the book cover for, for the Dark Orchestra, John North's book. Mm-hmm. That idea came to me when I was in the shower. So the you know I, I had a vision of that famous picture of him, you know, where the photos taken of him behind, you know, when he's setting up on the barbell to yeah. snatch. And then we would have it fade into white with a bright red circle right in the middle. And it would say the dark orchestra in the middle as well. That came to me when I was in in the shower. It's pretty amazing that you wrote and pretty much produced that. Like you organized the pieces to pull that book together. And you'd you'd never wrote a book or published a book before. And you didn't go to school for publishing books no. you just you know found, found the pieces and made it happen well that that would that be pretty amazing that would be another thing that a younger james would be proud of today if if we're going to go back to that question because yeah. there was a point when i was working at the ymca and i looked up to coaches and athletes like jim wendler dave tate um louis simmons Eric Cressy, and they had all written books. And I always wanted to get to the point where I wrote a book. So writing a book was always some sort of a goal. And because I saw those guys do it, I'm like, well, I want to be as good of a coach as they are. And I guess being a good coach means you write a book at some point, or at least that's what I thought at the time. So that would be something that, you know, younger James would definitely be proud of. So do you, what's your dream now? Like, what, what do you hope for for your future? Uh, I think, you know, like I said earlier, with with my athletes, their their goals are my goals. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm very much focused on coaching, very much focused on producing top-level athletes in weightlifting and also helping people be top-level in their life with their own personal fitness. I think it's the same thing. If you want to come to Albany CrossFit and do CrossFit and lose a bunch of weight and be the fittest you've ever been and be top level in your life, then that's, that's your, you know, that's your, your, your goal. That's your nationals or whatever competition it might be in that you want to excel at. And then I have athletes in the barbell club that I want to help get to the level that they've told me they want to get to yeah. and to keep helping them get better. So a- any goal that they have is by default and automatically my goal. Yeah. And it's my job to provide them with opportunities to get closer to that goal any in any way that I can. And I would say personally for me, like the only like real goals I have, you know, would be just to stay healthy, to keep lifting. You know, I want to be uh, I'm, I'm a master's lifter now. Mm-hmm. So I, I do want to qualify and go for to some of those master's weightlifting competitions that I've gone in only a coaching role before. And uh, and be able to compete in them. I think that would be cool because weightlifting is a lifetime sport. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I enjoy watching is when you highlight. I mean, I enjoy when you like highlight me and make me feel special. But I see you do that with your athletes too. And I think that really says a lot about how much you care about the people that you coach. Like this recent thing that you even did with all the female athletes at the gym with their quotes and their pictures and 
you put a lot of attention into making it look nice and I thought it was so such a beautiful thing. Yeah, well, I mean, doing that. Care caring is is the number one quality that a, a coach probably needs to have, and athletes will know when you don't care, or if you fake caring. You know, and I I think you know you have to be, you know, everyone, everyone in front of me is is uh, I'm a fan of you know like they're my favorite athlete. You know, I don't follow the CrossFit Games too much mm-hmm. i couldn't tell you who xyz person is outside of the top top people that everyone knows by default like mm-hmm. your matt frazier's or your tia Tumi, because they're the champions there's other people that you know people will tell me about them and i'm like well that's cool i'm happy for them but i don't care you know i don't need to know how much they can snatch or clean and jerk i need to know how much shaf can snatch and clean and jerk mm-hmm. how much can frank do renee haley kim a cat everyone you know those are my favorite athletes those are the people that i i truly care about so i'm going to be all in 100 percent invested in everything involving them um, versus a famous athlete yeah outside of the ones that i'm clearly good friends with and, (laughs) and and our families are good good friends and things like that yeah so you seem to have a natural understanding of having high standards and I would say somewhat of an unmatched level of patience and perseverance, which I think sometimes might come off as stubbornness to people who do not understand you. Where do you think this comes from? Well, number one, I am stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> so you, 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 are, you are correct. But I, I think that stubbornness and that high level of standard comes from uh, more of my father, James McDermott Sr. And um, he was uh, a military man. You know, he was, uh, he, well, he actually, no, he was uh, in the Navy. Mm-hmm. Not, so not military. So he's in the Navy. He's a vet, vet, Vietnam War vet. And he worked for 30 plus years in the telephone company to provide for all of us. He is very much a, uh, a neat freak and a control freak, you know, on everything going on in the house. And uh, I think that's where I get a lot of this this from, you know, like he would come into your room and demand that it be cleaned and organized. And then, you know, he wouldn't be mean about it, but he would never let it go until you finally did the thing, you know. He would just be on you all the time about the room. And there were times where me and my sister would go to school and you would come back and he had cleaned your room. And then with total disregard, just throwing away, you know, things that he deemed were garbage and organizing things in a new way and putting your bed over here and just complete revamp and shake up of your life. He was like a hurricane pretty much in the house. Mm -hmm. So I I think that's where I, I got that from. It's like, okay, you know, things should be neat and organized and, you know, you should, you should care about these things and you should, you should fix things and take care of what you own and, be be organized to a point where you're not gonna be held back because you're disorganized right i struggle with that it's a challenge that i'm working through currently yeah so i would say that that would be where where i get that from and you know he was very stubborn you know he's since passed away many years ago but um he was very very stubborn about things and but he had a way that he liked them to be done and I think that, you know, p- 
people can possibly tell that about, you know, what I do. Because, like, when we do things in the barbell club or in CrossFit class, I have very specific ways that I want them to be done. And I'm very, very opinionated on them. And it's hard to move you from your opinion, I I feel, I think. Maybe, maybe, (laughs) maybe so. But also, you have to consider I've probably put, you know, a good deal of thought into the way that this is why it should be. Right. And I have the, you know, your best interest in mind and uh let's 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 try it out. Let's let it work a little bit. So let's say for a finale question, what what do you think you have what has in what way have you grown the most through being a coach and being an athlete, doing weightlifting? Like what part of your character your personality has you know grown uh i just think you know finding like a personal voice you know like when i when i first started you know in in college or even in like grade school this voice that you hear now was not present Mm -hmm. so i think finding a personal strength finding a voice and a way to talk and that's one thing that the gym has brought out of me and the hard work of training has brought out of me and and the barbell too just training with a barbell feeling like I'm an athlete because when I first started exercising yes I was exercising to lose weight but if you were to say well do you feel like an athlete I would definitely say no I wasn't good at catching the ball or throwing a ball or hitting a ball or any of those ball sports mm-hmm. but a but barbell you're pretty good at tennis no, no, I wouldn't say pretty good. Uh, I was okay. But with a barbell, I I can do something. I can be strong. Yeah. I can be an athlete. I can express myself. I can put myself out there by going out in front of a hundred people that I don't know who they are. And I have anxiety about it. But I'm going to do this because I want to do this. And the barbell makes me stronger. And I can express myself on the platform and then I can just keep doing it over and over and over. That's the great thing about competing is you're going to do that over and over and over with the barbell. And that just makes you stronger in life. I mean, like if I was out in the world, you know, back in the day and maybe someone, you know, didn't give me the right change or something like that, I might not say something. Mm-hmm. But now I'll say something. If I'm in Chipotle and I say I want two scoops of me <laughs> and they didn't give me two scoops. Well, old James would have just been like, well, I guess that's all I get today. James today is like, oh, no, hold on. Wait a minute. I said two scoops, two scoops. And then I'll watch him put two scoops on him, but put a little more on. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Get, get, get that piece there. You know, I'm that guy now. So it's brought out my inner strength, my inner personality, being involved in the gym and hard training and just being associated with a barbell and having it be an integral part of my life. Well, I really enjoyed asking you questions and hearing new things that I haven't heard before because I haven't thought to ask some things. And I really appreciate it. And I would love to get another hour, two hours, three hours. Well, you're already you're already milking for, for now, the next the but, next takeover. But for now, that's all, folks. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well. Thank you, Joanna, for coming on the show and interviewing me. You've been waiting an hour to do that. 
and I, I, I'm happy to say you pulled it off. So everyone who's listening right now, make sure you follow Joanna at... LilyV81 on Instagram. Joanna Lily... Toman on Facebook. Boom. Find her on there. Follow the Barbell Strikes Back on Instagram. Follow me, James A. McDermott, on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. Joanna, thanks for coming on. Thanks. Good. Goodbye, good friends.